0: Welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 125. We're going to pick it up in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7. The section title says, The Message to Ahaz. And it says, Aram's king Rezin and Israel's king Pekah, son of Remaliah, went to fight against Jerusalem, but they were not able to conquer it. Verse 2, when it became known to the house of David, that is Judah, that Aram had, uh, had occupied Ephraim, or Ephraim, Ephraim or Ephraim, it doesn't matter, yes. The heart of Ahaz and the hearts of uh, his people trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind. And so the king of Judah and its people were shaking in the wind because uh, Aram um, and and, uh, Israel had joined together in order to come against them. It says in verse 3, The Lord said to Isaiah, Go out uh, with your son shear to meet Ahaz verse 4 say to him calm down and be quiet don't be afraid or cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks uh, the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of remaliah and so the Lord is sending uh, Isaiah to talk to the king of Judah and then tell him chill out man everything is under control it says they say uh, let's go up against Judah terrorize it and conquer it for ourselves this is what the Lord God says. It will not happen. It will not occur. And so he's sending a message to Isaiah to tell, to tell King Ahaz, chill out. This is not going to happen. <clears throat> For he says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. The next section is entitled the Emmanuel prophecy. Verse 13, Isaiah said, listen, house of David, or listen, Judah, Is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son and name him Emmanuel. By the time he learns to reject what is bad and choose what is good, he will be eating curds and honey. For before the boy knows to reject what is bad and choose what is good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. And so he's saying, look, there's going to be a child. Here's the sign. There's going to be be a child. And before he reaches a certain age, these two kingdoms will be no more. They will be gone. That which you are afraid of will be gone in a short matter of time. How many times has the Lord spoken to us, or let me personalize it, spoken to me with regard to some things that I have been um, uh, iffy or sketchy about, things that that I might dread might happen, and he's telling me to chill out. Chill out, you know, because if I go back to what he says in verse nine, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. So if we go on, uh, where am I? Okay, let's go. Let's go to chapter eight, and it says the coming in Sar- uh, the coming Assyrian invasion. So Assyria has uh, uh, grown into a regional power at this time. You know, kingdoms, the powerful kingdoms, come and throughout history come and then they go. One elevates and then over time it starts to decrease, and another one takes its place. That's just. You know, kind of a a history lesson there. That's what happens. And so it says here, um, uh, the coming Assyrian invasion. The Lord said to me, take a large piece piece of parchment and write it down with an ordinary pen. Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. And what that means is, hasten to the spoil, they speed to the prey. See, so you're talking about hasten to the spoil of Syria. Syria and Israel, they speed to the prey. And so it says, he, he, the Lord tells uh, Isaiah to write this down, hasten to the spoil, speed to the prey. Verse two, I have appointed trustworthy witnesses, the priest Uriah and Zechariah, son of uh, Jeberica. And it says in verse three, uh, I was... Uh, I was then intimate with the. Now this is Isaiah talking. I was then intimate with the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. See, in what we said before, with regard to the sign of a prophecy, a, a, a child will be given, a son will be born, so on and so forth. Uh, this is. Well, let me go back and read this. So this is. Um, oh, where is this? Where is this? Where are you? The Emmanuel prophecy. Um, It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. By the time he reaches a certain age, now, if you recall, I failed to mention before, we also see this, again, this is a duality here thing. We also see this in the New Testament, a sign will be given in reference to Jesus. And so it says, so we have a dual purpose going forth here. It says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. And so if we go on to chapter 8, uh, then it says in verse 3, uh, I was then intimate with the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. The Lord said to me, name him Meher Shalal Hashbaz. Again, you know, uh, this meaning the speed to the prey. For before the boy knows how to call father or mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoils of uh, Samaria, that is Syria and Israel, will be carried off to the king of Assyria. And so in other words, the king of Assyria or Assyria is going to come and is going to wax these two other kingdoms out. The Lord spoke to me again in verse 6. He says, because these people rejected the slowly flowing water of Shiloh, and uh, rejoice with Rezin and the son of Remaliah, the Lord will certainly bring against them the mighty rush of water um, of the Euphrates River. So now he's talking to Judah. And so he's saying that because you have done these wrong things, the Lord will certainly bring against you the mighty rushing water of the Euphrates River. This is referring to Assyria. The king of Assyria and all his glory, it will overflow his channels and spill over all its banks. And so it will overflow the channels of Judah and spill over all its banks of Judah. <clears throat> it says it will pour into Judah, um, flood over it and sweep through, reaching, uh, reaching up to the neck. So he's talking about how Assyria is going to sweep over Aaron and Israel and then come down against Judah. The next section is entitled, The Lord of Armies, The Only Refuge. Verse 11, for this is what the Lord said to me with great power, to keep me from going the way of this people. So the Lord is speaking to Isaiah, and he's saying, now I'm going to keep you from going the way of this people. And so, verse 12, he says, uh, do not call everything a conspiracy that these people say is a conspiracy, Do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. Don't listen to the murmurs. Don't listen to the rumors. Don't pay attention to what these people are saying and what they're afraid of. They're just talking. They don't know my plan. They don't know what the deal is. And so again, the Lord is telling Isaiah things to keep him from going the way of this people. He doesn't want him doing the same thing. In verse 13, you are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. In other words, not these foreign armies, not these other kingdoms. It says here, regard only the Lord of our armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. Verse 14, he will be a sanctuary. But for the two houses of Israel, that being the northern and the southern kingdoms, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. See uh, for for Israel and Judah, he will be a stumbling block and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So he's telling he's telling Isaiah, look, don't you go the way of these people, because these people will um he will be a stone that they stumble over. He being the Lord will be a stone that they stumble over. See, he will be a rock that they trip over. He will be a trap and a snare to the uh, to the inhabitants. He'll be a trap and a snare to them. But Isaiah, don't you do this. Verse 18, it says, this is Isaiah talking. Here I am with the children the Lord has given to me to be signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of armies who dwells on Mount Zion. And so uh, uh, Israel is amongst the children that the Lord has given to him. In verse 19, it says, when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and spiritists who chirp and mutter, Shouldn't a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? And so, what he's saying is, it's like, look, we have got people, you know, with with uh, Ouija boards and 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 all of this other stuff, trying to inquire of the dead, trying to consult uh, spiritists and, and mediums or psychics, as we would call them today, one eight hundred psychic outline, and we've got all these people trying to do this, and said, shouldn't they be inquiring of me? You know, why, why would you want the phony when you've got the real? And so here's a question that God is putting forth to his people. You, you, know, you're, you are acknowledging and recognizing the spirit realm, but you're turning to these other things and you're not turning to me. You should be inquiring of me of these things, not calling 1-900-Psychic, you know, the psychic hotline, not, not going to Ouija boards and tarot cards and all this stuff. You should be talking to me. Verse 20. Go to God's instruction and testimony. So he says, should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? No, 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 no. Go to God's instruction and testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, there will be no dawn for them. If they don't turn to me, if they don't, t- if they don't talk to me, if they talk to these other sources, you know, in matters that are, are under my control, <laughs> you know, it says there will be no dawn for them. There will be no light. Nothing will, nothing will um, illuminate what it is that they're trying to uh, get answers to that they're seeking. Verse twenty-one: They will wander through the land, dejected and hungry. When they are famished, they will become enraged. And looking upwards, uh, and looking upward, they will curse their king and their god. And so this this happens all the time when bad things happen or whatever, and a lot of people start cursing God. They're blaming God. They're not looking at their own actions. They're not looking uh, what they may have done that could have precipitated this. Now that doesn't mean that every bad thing that happens is as a result of something that we've done. But in a lot of cases, that is the truth. It says in verse 22, they will look toward the earth and see only distress, darkness, and the gloom of affliction, and they will be driven into thick darkness. Nevertheless, this is chapter 9, and it says birth of the Prince of Peace is the, is the header. It says, nevertheless, uh, the gloom of the distressed land will not, will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulon in the land of Naphtali. And so this is kind of looking into the future. So he says, you know, nevertheless, the gloom, in, um, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former lands. <clears throat> But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. See, but in the future, see, this is pointing towards Jesus. It's again, so, so uh, again, I emphasize in the book of Isaiah, we've got things going on in the present at that time, and then you've got things that are spoken about in the future. <clears throat> Drop down to verse 6. It says, for a child will be born for us, and a son will be given to us. See, so we have one that's going to be born for us, and he will be a son, and he will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And the dominion will be vast. And his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David. So he'll be in the line of David. He'll be a descendant of David and over his kingdom and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Okay, so this is referred to in the New Testament when testifying about Jesus. So this is about Jesus in the next section again we're in chapter 9 the hand raised against Israel the Lord sent a message against Jacob it uh, it came against Israel so the Lord sent a message against Jacob the Lord sent a message against Israel okay and it came against Israel and in verse 9 and the people uh, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria the Israelites the northern kingdom will know it the bricks have fallen, but so this is the people responding. The bricks have fallen, but we will rebuild with cut stones. The sycamores have been cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. <laughs> so they're being very arrogant here, okay? And so they're saying, yes, the stuff has happened to us, but essentially we will rebuild. They haven't, they don't understand that the hand of God is against them because of their behavior. <clears throat> let's see, uh, see, all the people, even when it happens Mary will know it, they will say with pride and arrogance, the bricks have fallen, but we will rebuild with cut stones. The sycamores have been cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. Uh, verse 11, the Lord has raised up Rezin's adversaries against him and stirred up his enemies. Aram from the east and Philistia uh, from the west have consumed Israel uh, with open mouths. In all this, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is still raised to strike. And so even this has befallen Israel. You see, Even though um, the foreign powers have come, come in and consumed the land, it says, in all this, his being God's anger has not turned away, and his hand is still raised to strike. So that wasn't enough punishment for them. And so God wanted to do more. In verse 16, it says, the leaders of the people misled them. And those they misled are swallowed up. Therefore, the Lord does not rejoice over Israel's young men and has no compassion on its fatherless and widows. <laughs> They've done so much dirt. Okay, this is Israel, the northern kingdom, that the Lord has no compassion on its fatherless and widows and the young men. He says, I'm done and every mouth speaks folly, see? So they're they're, they're talking arrogantly and whatnot, and the Lord is is through with them. In all this, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is still raised to strike. And so in all this stuff, he's still not satisfied, okay? He's still not satisfied. So we go on to verse 10. It says, woe to those enacting crooked statutes, Not verse 10. Did I say verse 10? I meant chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 1. Woe to those enacting uh, crooked statutes and writing oppressive laws to keep the poor from getting a fair trial and to deprive the needy among my people of justice so that the windows can be their spoil and they can plunder the fatherless. And so, (laughs) you know, the Lord is saying, you know, woe to those, you know, you Israelites. Woe to you people in power. You're writing, you know, roll to you, you politicians. You're writing crooked statutes. You're writing unjust laws, you see, and writing oppressive laws to keep the poor from getting a fair shake, essentially, and to deprive the needy among the people. And so you're doing this to enrich yourselves. Verse 3, what will you do on the day of punishment? You know, what will you do? On the day of atonement, the Lord is saying, what will you do when I come and judge? When devastation comes from afar, who will you run to for help? Where will you leave your wealth? So these are questions that the Lord is asking of the wicked politicians of the day, basically. And not only them, but also just the leaders and people and those who have turned from him and turned towards uh, wickedness. Verse four, there will be nothing to do except crouch among the prisoners or fall among the slain. There will be nothing for you to do except for go to jail or be dead. In all this. His anger has not turned away and his hand is still raised to strike. So even after all of this, the Lord is still not satisfied. The next section subtitle says Assyria, an instrument, the instrument of wrath. In verse five, it says, woe to Assyria, the rod uh, to Assyria, Assyria. What am I talking about? Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my wrath. So God is essentially saying, look, I I am the one that, that is sending Assyria in order to do my bidding. But he also says, woe to Assyria. Now, why would he say woe to Assyria when he's using Assyria as a tool to punish Israel? Verse six, I will send him against the godless, him being Assyria. This is God talking. I will send him against the godless nation, Israel, I will command him to go against the people destined for my rage to take spoils uh, to plunder and to trample them down like clay in the streets. So God is saying, look, I'm sending Assyria to plunder you, Israel, you know, to satisfy my rage, see, to trample you down, you know, to, to 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 basically come against you because you've become a godless nation. Huh. Verse seven. But this is not what he intends, he being Assyria. So this is this is, you know, God's intention is to use Assyria as his tool. But this is not Assyria's intention. This is not what Assyria plans. See. It is his Assyria, it is his intent to destroy and to cut off many nations. And so God is sending Assyria against the northern kingdom, Israel, to do his will, to exercise vengeance on the people because of their wickedness. But Assyria has other plans. See, they want to go and they want to destroy and to cut off many nations. Verse 8, for he, Assyria says, aren't all my commanders kings? Isn't Kalno in Carchemish? Uh, isn't uh, Hamath in Arpad? Isn't uh, Samaria like Damascus? And so Assyria is saying, look, essentially the king of Assyria is saying, look, my commanders of my armies are kings. Now, these are places that I've conquered. You know, I don't know what the Lord is talking about. I've done all this stuff on my own. You know, my, my, my commanders are kings. Uh, uh, Samaria or, uh, Israel is just like Damascus. It's just like Syria. I wiped out Syria. I wipe out Israel, you know, who can stand in my way. And so in the next section says judgment on Assyria. And so in verse 12, it says, but when the Lord finishes all his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for his arrogant acts and the proud look in his eyes. See, this has not escaped the Lord. The Lord says, all right, you think you're all that?" Verse 13, for he said, I have done this uh, by my own strength and wisdom, for I am clever. So the Assyrian king is like, look, I've done this on my own. I didn't get no help from no God. God got nothing to do with me. My own strength, my own wisdom, my own cleverness. That's the reason I've been conquering all these foreign lands. It's all about me. You know, it's so... So then, God responds in verse fifteen. He says, "Does an axe exalt itself above the one who chops it down, or who chops with it? You know, does a, a saw magnify itself above the one who saws with it?" And so God is saying, "Look, does the tool elevate itself over the one who's wielding the tool? You know, verse sixteen. Therefore, the Lord God, God of armies, will inflict an emaciating or emaciating a disease." on the well-fed of Assyria, and he will kindle a burning fire under its glory. See, he's gonna send a disease, he's gonna send illness to to wipe out the well-fed, the well-fed being the rich, the leaders, you know, the who's who in their society. You've become too big, too arrogant, you know, you think it's all about you and nothing is about you, here it comes. In verse 20, uh, the subtitle is the remnant will return on that day the remnant of israel and the survivors of the house of jacob will no longer depend on the one who struck them but they will faithfully depend on the lord the holy one of israel and so on that day on that uh, the, the, again we're double speak here because this could be referring uh, to the future time the second coming of jesus and, and that and, and and also uh talking about the return of the of the exiled back into the territory, into the land, into the promised land. Because again, remember, they were all carried off, right? The the northern kingdom was carried off by the Assyrians, and Judah was carried off by the Babylonians. And so but there was a day that they would return. It says on that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no longer depend on the one who struck them, but they will be faithfully but they will faithfully depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. So they no longer depend on these foreign powers for their food, for their sustenance, for their livelihoods. Verse 21, the remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. Verse 24, "Therefore, therefore, the Lord God of armies says this, My people who dwell in Zion do not fear Assyria though they strike you with the rod and raise their staff over you as the Egyptians did, in just a little while my wrath will be spent and my anger will turn to their destruction. And the Lord of armies will brandish a whip against him as he did when he struck Midian at the rock of Oreb. And he will raise his staff above the seas as he did in Egypt. The next section says God will judge Assyria. Verse 28 Assyria has come to 8th and has gone through a migrant storing their equipment at Micmash. And so this is chronicling the Assyrians, you know, march through the territories and taking things over. It says in verse thirty-two. Today the Assyrians will stand. Will stand at Nob, shaking their fists at the mountain of Daughter Zion. So they will be like, you know, we're here to take over. And so they're here shaking their fists and whatnot at the the mountain of the Daughter of Zion. And and the hill of Jerusalem, verse 33. Look, the Lord, the Lord God of armies will chop off the branches with terrifying power. See, branches represent the strength of the army, and he says, Look, I'm going to chop off their branches with terrifying power. And the tall trees will be cut down, the high trees felled. See, the, their mightiness will fall before you. And it says in verse uh, 34, he is clearing the thickets of the forest with an axe and Lebanon with. and Lebanon, with its majesty, will fall. So he's essentially prophesying, look, this is what's going to happen to the Assyrians, the ones who thought they were all that, the ones who were arrogant before me. I will take them out. I will chop them down, and they will be no more. And with that, uh, we're done for the day. We'll pick it up in Isaiah chapter 11 tomorrow. Everybody have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.